everyone, good afternoon. Welcome to our podcast show, We're Talking Golf. Our show is produced by the World of Golf, and I'm your host, Douglas Maida. Today's show is another in our series looking at women's professional golf from around the world. In this series, we usually select a country from around the world and speak with some of the professionals and aspiring professionals about the sport of golf and how it is developing in their home countries. Now, of course, we also discuss their chosen path in becoming a professional player. Our focus today, though, is on a player from the United States, Annie Park, an LPGA player since 2016. As the United States is a country that has been involved with golf for well over 100 years, we're not going to take the time to talk too much about the development of the sport in the United States. Instead, we're going to focus on Annie and her career and some of the experiences that she has to share with us about life as a professional player. Now, before we get to our guest, we will take a short break for a message from our producers and sponsors. Built on a sleek titanium frame, with a light yet strong carbon body, and a precision weighting system, the new TR20 from Hanma. Speed reframed. The all-new Honda Civic is designed to move you. In fact, Car and Driver has called the Civic more fun to drive than top competitors. Because in their performance testing, the Civic was the quickest around the track. With more power and sharper handling than its rivals. The all-new Honda Civic, built for all kinds of fun. Contact your Honda dealer today or shop online. Hi, we're back. Thank you very much for staying with us. Now, without further delay, let's get to our guest. Annie Park is a player on the LPGA Tour. She's originally from Levittown, New York. And after a glittering junior golf career, she went to USC, the University of Southern California, on an athletic scholarship. In her freshman year at USC, Annie had a spectacular season, winning four times that year, including winning the NCAA championships as the individual champion and then in leading her USC Trojans to a national title. She also went on that year to win the Honda Award as the top athlete in Division I golf. In 2014, Annie was also a member of the winning U.S. Curtis Cup team. In 2015, Annie joined the Symmetra Tour after giving up her college career and amateur status. In her rookie year, she finished first on the Symmetra Tour's Volvic Race for the Card money list, earning automatic LPGA membership. She also won three events that year, with four total top 10s in 11 starts. And she earned Symmetra Player of the Year and Rookie of the Year honors. Annie played on the LPGA Tour in 2016 and has since won her first event at the 2018 ShopRite LPGA Classic in Galloway, New Jersey. In 2019, she was a member of the U.S. Solheim Cup team, and to date, she has earned $1.4 million in career earnings on tour. Welcome to the show, Annie. Thank you. Thank you for so much for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Uh, our pleasure, for sure. Annie, um, let's chat a little bit about uh, your 2021 season, 2020-21 season. Um, as I mentioned in my introduction, you've had a really good uh, career at college on Symmetra Tour, and then you came into 2016-17 uh, with a good uh, 
have followed that up with a good 2018 and 19 with Solheim Cup and your first victory and whatnot. How was it making that transition? I mean, were you coming into 2020 all excited and pumped about um, building on on your successes at that time? Yeah, for sure. Um, I played the the Tournament of Champions in January, and you know I had a great great finish in that tournament, and then decided um, not to play the Australia event, but was excited to play the Thailand and Singapore event, and um, the case the cases started to break outbreak um you know globally and more so in the u.s and so um yeah it was definitely crazy that you know we had a little hiatus on our tour because of covid um but at the same time i you know kind of enjoyed being at home at the same time like i never really got to spend that much time um and you know, found some, you know, hobbies to kill, <laughs> time to kill, and actually played a lot of golf, because um, that was the only thing that we were able to do, and um, I mean, it, the golf courses were busy during COVID, but, um, you know, living in Orlando at the time, you know, there's a bunch of players, and we were getting together to play some golf, um, play some friendly matches out there, and yeah, I mean, i kind of enjoyed my time off a little bit um and then when we started to get back on tour again um it was fun too but you know as a player we never get that chance to take a break and you know it was kind of like what do we do <laughs> you know like we have all this time now um so yeah so in a regular season you're normally going to have a much busier schedule so you're going to look at week by week planning out your events um, and trying to get yourself ready for certain events of the year. Was it a big challenge, a big, uh, a big, big adjustment for you when all of a sudden you had three weeks, uh, pardon me, three months, three to four months of not playing? Uh, yes and no. Um, yes. Just because like, you know, it was my, my fifth year on tour at that point, And I was just so used to, the travel and I guess like when you have that downtime you start reflecting back on you know how hectic your travels were um I think that's kind of the biggest difference is I didn't know how crazy we traveled so much um and then having that three months off it was like wow like we did travel a lot <laughs> and then now we have all this this time um and I say no just because I still played a lot of golf during that time off uh, but I also picked up other hobbies that I thought I'd never would have picked up, like, you know, fishing, um, playing Fortnite. Like, I never thought I was a gamer and this is like my gaming headset. <laughs> so um, started playing Fortnite and then um, bought a guitar. That was kind of like my the my top priority of like hobby list um, that I kind of created for a long time and never just, just decided to never get a guitar and finally pulled the trigger during covid <laughs> so yeah oh okay fishing where did you fish ocean or yeah we went to the ocean a lot we went to the pier fishing too um we went to new samirna beach so it was like the atlantic ocean and um it was a lot of fun like we picked up a lot of like sheep's head um there was one time we caught like i think about 50 mackerels 
it was a lot yeah I was a lot of fish and then um just learned a lot of like different types of fishes which I thought I would never like learn I learned how to fillet a fish um I mean I'm not a deep sea fishing person like I'm three for three like sick on the boat so far (laughs) um like it was crazy like there are times where we caught like I think like a swordfish or something or a mai mai and um like a shark would just you know take our fish so it was it was a pretty cool experience um very interesting at the same time didn't know that it could get really cold during deep fishing so (laughs) learned a lot of stuff yeah oh that's uh a wonderful experience. Um, I know Brittany Lincecum likes to do a lot of fishing too. You didn't happen to get any tips from her, did you? No, we didn't uh, really get to talk much about fishing, <laughs> but I do know that she does fish a lot more in the Tampa area, which is totally, I think, a little different from like the east part of Florida and the west part of Florida. So that has actually been on my bucket list to try fishing out like around Tampa. It's really good. Huh. Okay. So maybe one day. Okay. Oh, wonderful. So your routine, obviously you, you might've been playing a little bit of golf and whatnot, but uh, did you find when you started to play again and the, and the uh, schedule resumed, did you find yourself having to make a bit of an adjustment coming back? Um, I think it's more so the routine where we weren't allowed to go out or anything. It was like quarantined when we were traveling. So I think that was kind of the hardest part was like, you know, we want to go work out and that's a huge factor part of our golf. But because like the gyms are closed, we're quarantined in our room, like we had to work out in our room and it was just, I think that was kind of the biggest difference that was like hindering our routine daily. Um, But for me, that was kind of the biggest challenge. Right, right that the bubbles that you had to maintain at the time. How would you look back at 2020 and 21 uh, in terms of your season? I mean, are you happy with um, the way your seasons went or there's some areas that you um, would have liked to have seen develop a little bit differently? How would you uh, summarize it all? I don't think I would have changed what I did in the last year or so. Um, I think everything happened for a reason. I think everything played out the way it did. Um, like I, you know, we, I did a lot, a lot of reflecting during that time. I did a lot of introspection where like, you know, like who am I outside of the golf course and like living in Florida, like it was really hard to have that balance. Um, so I decided to move to Dallas for one of, one of, that reason was um, I wanted more of a balanced lifestyle and an easier um, travel and easier on my body during that time. So I, the decision to move to Dallas was like very quick, very spontaneous. Um, And yeah, I moved to Dallas and I was so happy with, you know, the area that I was living in and there's just so much to do and made a lot of friends, you know, outside of the golf course here. And um, so it's been great. Um, And I think making that move during COVID was, I think, the biggest decision um, and maybe the best decision that I made. Uh, And so I'm really happy with, you know, things, how things turned out. Would you say then that it's um, one of the challenges of, 
playing such competitive golf at the level you're at is that because it's so intense in terms of the scheduling and, you know, for much of the year going week to week to week, that uh, you really kind of lose focus of life outside of golf? Is that oh, yeah. a good, a fair saying? Mm-hmm, for sure. Like, you know, when they, when people say like, you know, golf, you know, is not what you do. Golf doesn't determine who you are, but at the, at the level that we play in, like, that's a huge part of our identity, you know, like a lot of people, you know, it, the saying is true. It, 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 in reality, that is a fact, but at the same time, like, it's a hard reality for us to face, right? Because most of our schedule is based around our golf and, and our career and, you know, what we do every day and putting the time and effort is towards golf. And that's the hardest part that I learned this year was like setting times aside for myself and for, you know, me, myself, but, you know, for my loved ones and, you know, trying to spend as much time as I can with, you know, my friends and my family, just because like we're traveling from January through November and we have December to like take time off. And um, during the travels, we're gone for like, you know, maybe three weeks, maybe four to five weeks. And you kind of lose yourself during that time. You're just kind of like in a, you start going in a rabbit hole, like going places to places and, you know, you get, you get homesick for sure. Um, And that's the biggest reality that I had to learn myself was, yeah, like I was denying the fact that, you know, golf is not who I am, but it is a huge part of who I am. And that was the, the reality that I had to face. So is it fair to summarize your experiences then as saying it was an opportunity for you to find a way of balancing your on-course persona, on-course life with your off-course life? For sure. And I think the the last two to three years, I kind of didn't know how to do that. Um, it was always golf, golf, golf. And um, and I'm, I don't regret doing it, but because I did that, I've learned that, you know, I wasn't having a balanced life because um, golf was pretty much like like 90% of my life. <laughs> um, and I had to learn that, you know, the kind of the hard way where like, you know, I need time for myself sometimes and that time is very much needed and that correlates back onto the golf course. So um, I had to learn that a lot more this year versus last year. So would you say, having gone through that experience that you are in a much, much more healthier situation, both physically, mentally, emotionally? Mm. I think it's definitely a work in progress. Um, I still don't know, like, what's the number one hobby that I enjoy. I'm just exploring a lot of stuff. Um, but a lot of people had a tough COVID year. But for me, this year was the toughest. Um, I don't know why. I, I enjoyed the time off last year. <laughs> And this year, I think it's because we were now starting to have like a full on back to a full schedule. And I mean, I was definitely not in a great place mentally and, you know, emotionally. And I decided to take two months off during my season this year um, because I knew the consequences that I could lose my card. Um, I didn't know if I were going to play the next four events coming back, but I just was like to a point where 
I need to take this two months off and just focus on myself. And I'm so glad I did that. And I definitely don't regret that decision either. But I will say coming back for the four, the last four events this year, the last event was very stressful <laughs> because it determined if I were to keep my card or not for next year. Um, so I learned so much this year, more so than last year. Um, I'm just a little different from like a lot of people who had a really struggling COVID year and, you know, we're being able to go out more this year, like out in the field and less quarantine. Um, yeah, I don't know why it's been more tough for me this year. You're saying is when you uh, got into those last couple of events, it was uh, a lot of the pressure was on given your placement. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was very stressful. Was that uh, stress uh, something similar to when you were in Q school? Mm, I would say a little different. Um, Just because like, I wasn't worried about me not playing well but I was going through a putter change (laughs) on the last event. So because I was going through a putter change, that was what made it more stressful. I think if it was like, if I just stuck with my like old gamer and knew what like what my old gamer does, I would know there would be no like surprises, but just because I changed my new putter, like I was like, like, I don't know how this is going to come out. I don't know how this is going to like, you know, react during tournaments. Like, so, yeah, I think that was like, that's why I was like very stressed was because I put in a new putter the the last week. Um, I mean, it worked out, but I was just stressing. Well, what you used to, you made an adjustment to going to the long putter. I didn't, you know, I mean, forgive me. Um, We were following the last few events remotely, so we didn't get a chance to see uh, too much footage, but. Are you still using a long putter or have you switched to a different kind of putter? Um, I did try to go back to short during the Texas event um, in the summer and uh, went back to my long putter. But that was like a very brief um, scenario and just went back to my long putter. Um, and I've just, I got a new putter. I wanted, wanted to try it out. And so um, that's why I put in that new putter during that week. Is there was there any sort of reasoning or rationale behind making that switch? Was it just um, a need to change things up? Or uh, I think it just yeah, I, I was in the need for a change because um, like the putter that I was putting with, I just was like having trouble aiming. Um, and when I got my new putter, it was like a dot versus a line, um, and I line up better with the dot uh, for my alignment. Um, so that helped me a lot align better and not like doubt myself if I was aiming correctly. So that was kind of the biggest reason why I changed to that new putter. Okay. Interesting. Um, We'll talk about that a little bit more as we go on. We're going to take a a short break right now while we have a little bit of uh, some messages from our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to chat a little bit about um, Annie's transition from an amateur to professional. And uh, we'll chat a little bit about, Uh, the experience of playing this uh, Solheim Cup and representing her country again. Built on a sleek titanium frame with a light yet strong carbon body and a precision weighting system the new TR20 from Hanma Speed Reframed Legend has it that in the great storm of 1781 
John Jameson lost a barrel of his beloved smooth whiskey. He said goodbye to the crew and went in after it. In hindsight, that probably wasn't a good idea. Weeks later, a funeral was held. All of Ireland was in attendance, including John Jameson and his smooth-tasting whiskey. You must be at least the age of majority in your state or country to purchase and consume alcohol. Please remember to drink responsibly, and if you have had a drink, please do not drive. The all-new Honda Civic is designed to move you. In fact, car and driver has called the Civic more fun to drive than top competitors. Because in their performance testing, the Civic was the quickest around the track. With more power and sharper handling than its rivals. The all-new Honda Civic, built for all kinds of fun. Contact your Honda dealer today or shop online. Did you know that our podcast show, We're Talking Golf, was recognized as one of the top 40 podcasts to follow in 2021 for its coverage of the LPGA and women's professional golf? Our show is produced by The World of Golf. The World of Golf is an independent digital media company. You can find our podcast show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Now back to our show. Here is your host, Douglas Mader. All right, we're back. Thank you for staying with us. Uh, our guest today is Annie Park, who's a player on the LPGA Tour. And Annie, let's pick up where we left off with regards to your amateur career. Now, I understand you had a, a glittering junior career, and then uh, you attended USC on a scholarship. You uh, had a fantastic career at USC. Your, you know, your rookie year, your freshman year was just phenomenal. Uh, four-time winner. Um, you were the individual NCAA Division I champion, and you helped lead your USC Trojans to the national championship that year. I mean, that's just a fun... Oh, and not to overlook, but you were also the Honda Athlete of the Year for <laughs> golf. So, I mean, incredible experience or what? Yeah, it was I was crazy. Um, uh, I went to college a half semester early. So I graduated high school in 2012. And that was 2012 December. I started my freshman year 2013 January. So it was like, you know, like a one week transition. <laughs> um, so it was crazy. Um, I went in uh, because I knew that like, I, you know, I wanted to contribute to the team and it was a lot of pressure. I wanted to play well for the, for my team and um, didn't know what college life was going to be like. <laughs> and so uh, the biggest, I think the hardest challenge was time management. Um, you know, I was used to already a hectic schedule um, in high school, but going to college, like you're on your own and you have to figure out like, Know, managing workouts, practice, going to classes, and then, you know, your eating schedule. And then on top of that, like, you know, getting ready for exams. Um, so it was pretty interesting. Like, I felt like I was the most, like, managed person in that semester because <laughs> I had to unless, like, I was just not going to be able to do my homework. <laughs> but uh, it was fun. Like, I, you know, made some great friends on my team and not only on my team, but like outside of my team. And um, yeah, I just remember like 
we had like one event we played like 36 holes and we had to come back home and write papers and <laughs> it was crazy uh but I had so much fun and we had a great season we ended up winning a lot of events uh but you know more more importantly we we won Pac-12s regionals and nationals and you know, that was a crazy year. Um, and I, re I remember going into for 2014 season, we were, um, I think like we had a sh like a long streak of like winning consecutively. Um, so we just had like a packed team uh, while I was there. Like my teammates were just so good. Um, 2014, um, the freshmen's were really good. So like we just had a stacked team. To cap it off, you were the Honda Player of the Year. I mean, that must have been a, a very special accomplishment too. Yeah, um, it was crazy. Uh, it was nice to be, um, it was like honored because I was along with a lot of other, you know, great athletes, uh, baseball, like softball, basketball, soccer, like, you know, just being surrounded by other, you know, just female athletes were were just so cool um and it was it was a really cool experience i got to meet a lot of you know other female athletes and got to know them a little bit more and it was fun so what was it like after winning the individual championship i mean obviously you probably went into the event saying you know you'll do whatever you can and play your best for the team were you a little surprised that you came out winning the individual honors or was that something that you thought um, with a lot of hard work and, you know, and maybe a break or two, you, you could have, that you could, how would you say that the individual championship was a realistic goal? Um, to be honest, my biggest goal coming into college was to play well for my team. And that was my biggest top priority. And, um, my eyes, are, my eyes on the prize was just to play my best out there. And, you know, if I do that, the results will show and whether the results are good or bad, at least as long as I give it a hundred and ten percent out there, I was happy. And, um, I did that and I ended up, I guess, winning <laughs> the national. So, um, I guess I just remember that year. I just really, really wanted to play well for my team and, uh, didn't really think about individuals to be honest, but, uh, when I was playing well, and when I was going into the final round leading, I still I still wanted to play my best, whether that was for me or for my team. So um, that's that's what it was. Well, yes, congratulations. That was belatedly. <laughs> uh, so was the Curtis Cup your first opportunity to represent the United States? Uh, no, no. You had something in junior. Yes. Okay. Um, Curtis Cup, step up from junior. How was it to represent uh, the United States on that team? And uh, and I believe you, you're t the U.S. won that year. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was so much fun. Um, we had a great team. And most of the girls that were on that team is now are now on the LPGA. And um, yeah, we just had so much fun um, having each other's company. And uh, it was very memorable. And um, I thought... I, I thought we were a very compatible team. Um, whoever we were paired up to be teammates with for like a, for a match, I thought we would have all been compa very uh, compatible. 
Then you make the transition from 2014 to 2015 and you join the Symmetra Tour. And the success continued. Um, an incredible year on the Symmetra Tour for 2015. Uh, you won three times, I believe, or four times, three times, including finishing player of the year and top of the, um, I can't remember the name of the uh, the race to the LPGA at the time, but let's just say you finished in the top spot for qualifying to the LPGA the following year. And you were rookie of the year that year as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was crazy. <laughs> um, just because that 2015 year was just so crazy for me um, because in March, I had a thyroidectomy. I went into the surgery, you know, mainly to just get my nodules removed and the doctors decided to get um, just the, to remove the thyroid completely just so the nodules don't come back or anything else. Um, so that was a huge, you know, surgery for me during that year. And then, you know, played nationals and that was the first year that they changed to match play. So I was able to experience the first year of, you know, switching that to the match play. Um, and I honestly really wanted to win um, the nationals with my team because it would have been, you know, very memorable if my last nationals we win and I turn pro. I thought that would have been, you know, very special, but it was still special to have, you know, a great team and a great relationship with everyone. Um, and then entered into Symmetra mid-year, mid-season, and my first tournament that I turned pro, it, the tournament gets, gets canceled because of uh, rain. <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, this is interesting. Like, I never got to really experience my first tournament as a pro. <laughs> and then um, I just, you know, just I knew I didn't know this, the traveling because um, we drove a lot, placed the next tournament to next tournament. And that was pretty long um thankfully I was with my mom traveling and she was able to caddy for me so um yeah and then ended up winning my first tournament in Rochester which was very memorable um just because it was right in New York and then ended up winning my second tournament in Wisconsin and then my third tournament in Kansas um so yeah it was crazy I honestly don't know how I did it <laughs> But I guess I did. Um, another crazy 2015 was because I decided to take 20 units um, during my fall semester. And that was a lot of classes. Like, And that was the year that I decided to turn uh, to sign my major as communication. So I just had so many papers to write. Um, it was just insane. And then after I won my third event, I decided to just take a couple events off and focus more on school and catch up on my my uh, my schoolwork, and then played Symmetra Championship, and that was actually the the determining factor if I were to play um, or if I were to be nominated as Player of the Year because um, the player that was Player of that was number one at the time because I didn't play for a couple of events. She decided not to play the championship because um, she had to, she had a wedding to go to. 
then I had to so I ended up playing and the last day on the last hole and I didn't know that this was like a big you know determining factor I made a long putt for eagle and so I won player of the year by like I think twenty dollars <laughs> it was like it was just crazy um so yeah and then I ended up getting my card for the next year for 2016 for LPGA yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. So you're coming off all this success at the collegiate level, junior career, and at the Symmetra level. And then you get into 2016 and then into 2017. How would you say it was making that adjustment from from that stage in life to to basically the big tour? Yeah, I mean, the LPGA was a long lifelong dream of mine um, ever since I was young and that's why I started playing golf um, so to be able to come on as a rookie you know playing alongside with legends on tour um, was huge like I was just starstruck to left and right and um, and then to be honest I think the rookie year being a rookie on the LPGA is probably the toughest year one of the toughest years because I mean, you co- you come on to tour not knowing that travel is going to be the most hectic than you've ever experienced. Um, and then on top of that, the, the pressure every event that you have to play well to maintain your card. Um, so, yeah, like it was I didn't know what I was going into, I guess. I was going into the, the dream, but then was faced with reality that you know, you have a lot of travel, you have to play well, um, you have to finish a certain uh, certain spot to keep your card, and etc. So um, that was, I think, the, probably the toughest, what I thought was the toughest year. And then going into 2017 was tougher because I never went through a, like a body injury. And then my back ended up being flared up and I couldn't play for the first like, couple events. Um, so I was out for like about three months and, you know, I never experienced what a flare up was. Um, and not only was it like physically challenging, but like mentally and emotionally, like you're just not able to do anything because you can't move. So um, it made me appreciate a lot more for you know waking up in the mornings being able to do what i'm able to do but also just able to move um getting up out of the bed going to the bathroom um like i think from that experience i appreciate that so much more now um and then more you know focused on like my fitness and rehab um just so i don't hopefully the flare-ups don't, you know, happen again. Um, ever since then, I did have, like, about three to four more flare-ups, um, but thankfully the flare-ups were a lot shorter. So definitely been a lot, been a huge difference. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I had to go through a huge swing change from my back injury, and my strongest part of the strongest part of my game was my long game. Um, my My ball striking was probably my strength and ever since then like I had to go through a swing change to alleviate the back pain and um eventually it was not my strength anymore (laughs) so um yeah I I 
decided like December of 2017, like, I don't think I want to play this sport again. Uh, I think I'm kind of done. And um, yeah, so my one of my best friend at the time, he was like, hey, why don't, you know, I make you a long putter, just try out a long putter. And I was like, I don't know, like, just my whole game is just kind of like not feeling right. Um, and so he was like, I'll just make it. So he made me a long putter out of his garage. Um, he sent it to me. And I talked to my um, my second little sister. And she's like, you know what, like, why don't you just give it another year? Because um, I don't want you to regret not giving it all of your best and what you could have done a lot more and looking back, like, I just don't want you to regret. And she was like, well, why don't you give it more than a hundred percent and just give it your, all your heart out there. So 2018, I played a couple Monday qualifiers with the long putter that my, uh, my friend made and ended up Mondaying into the, the San Francisco event, played well, got reshuffled in, played the uh, the Dallas event. I had a really good season that year, just like according for like cuts made and uh, got my first win in New Jersey. And that was crazy. A little special being uh, so close to home. Oh yeah. I mean, being for my family to all come out and watch was just huge. Um, not only was it so close to home being in New Jersey for the event, but just being for my family and my friends to be able to come out and watch me play and share that special moment with me was just made it that, that much more special. And I was going to say, I noticed, uh, this year you had uh, family members again in the area and, uh, when you were playing and, uh, on your social media, I know you even, was that your sister that you, uh, took over your Instagram account for a few days and (laughs) yeah so she first took over my Instagram back in 2019 when both of my sisters came to Scotland and uh she's like she took over my uh, Instagram and everyone loved it so when I came back to New Jersey I was like hey do you want to take over my Instagram again because like you know everyone misses you on my Instagram (laughs) So uh, she took it over for the two weeks when um, the two New Jersey events. I noticed in one post, she uh, apologized in advance about posting something and hoping it was okay with you. (laughs) I was going to say only a sister could get away with that, right? I mean, I didn't even know like she took a photo of me waking up, like literally just like so tired and like 5 a.m. And um, yeah, I, I had no idea that she posted that. (laughs) well that's family though isn't it always there for each other that way right i mean you know in a positive way um you now you mentioned your back injury and flare-ups did you ever have a determination as to what was causing the flare-ups like was there anything disc related or or something along that nature or was it just more aggravated muscles leading to tension on your spine or something like that yeah it was just kind of like a um not like a bulging disc but just very inflamed um so they're like between i guess your vertebrae um there's like space and i didn't have much space so that's why it was getting inflamed and impingement so um that's like how my my flare was acting up because it was pinching a nerve um i was lucky that it wasn't 
you know, being shot to my, my legs because that would have been more severe. But um, my flare up, I like asked them, like, you know, what do you think the cause of this flare up is? And they said that it's probably just from like overuse, um, just like at a young age, just repetition and over repetition. So, yeah, it was just, I guess, bound to happen. And so if I'm following correctly, I understand you made some alterations to your conditioning routines and things like that to strengthen the area, to ensure that you've got some solid stability in and around your spine and you have sure. some good body movement, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, and was the idea that given your injury, you, you had to make, or you wanted to make a swing change so as to avoid uh, recurring injury. It was to, so I made the swing change to alleviate the back pain for the time because I wanted to compete. Um, and then when I was feeling better for like a year after, two years after, I was starting to make like different swing changes to like create more power and like, you know, et cetera. And I guess just you know, at the time I was just going through so many changes and there was no like consistency for me at the time where like, I just felt so confused with my swing and my, my swing identity because I had this, you know, solid foundation of my swing before my injury. And then just reverting to like making swing changes left and right, um, alleviate, alleviate back pain, create more power. And like, I was just changing all the time. And I just felt like I didn't have a foundation anymore. I like, you know, don't even know like my basics anymore. So um, actually last year during COVID, I was feeling you know, 100% with my body, and I was ready to, you know, make the changes that I wanted consistent. So I started looking at like my old swings, um, pre, uh, pre injury. And um, I was working with great physios and great coach at the time um, to like, see like, why was I getting these back pain? And why was I getting these impingements, etc. But how can I also, you know, get the best swing that you know, better than even before. And so um, I decided, eventually I decided to change coaches towards the end of the year. Um, And I was working with actually a coach in Canada. Um, He lives in Montreal. And, you know, I never saw him in person, but we did a lot of like virtual work and he's actually helped me a lot um, to create create that foundation and create that consistency. so beginning of this year, I started hitting it so much better. It was going, getting to a point where I wanted, where I wanted in my long game. Um, and then just because I wasn't able to see him, um, I started working with like a short game coach in Dallas and um, he's helped me a lot with my short game. And uh, I was very hesitant to get a swing lesson because I don't really like changing coaches frequently that's like because like my my uh my long-term coach I worked with for like 13 years so I didn't want to like like it's weird like I'm very adaptable to change but I when it comes to like foundation I like I want a consistency because I was changing so much so I got 
I took my first swing lesson with my short game coach um, in Dallas, and it was exactly the same thing that he was saying as my Canadian coach. Um, so just ended up just seeing him because he's right at my club and he can see me almost, you know, every day just practice. And, you know, he's just there physically. But um, I'm just I'm so grateful for the Canadian coach because he really helped me you know, start that foundation. Um, and it would have been nice to, you know, meet him in person. Um, but, you know, with the whole, <laughs> the the border and stuff like that, it made it so much tough. But hopefully next year I could, you know, you know, meet him in person, get to talk to him a little bit. Um, so, yeah. I want to take a short, short break, Annie. And when we come back, I just want to pick up where we left off with the Solheim Cup and just kind of what life on tour is like for an LPGA professional. So we'll be right back after this short message. The all-new Honda Civic is designed to move you. In fact, Car and Driver has called the Civic more fun to drive than top competitors. Because in their performance testing, the Civic was the quickest around the track. With more power and sharper handling than its rivals. The all-new Honda Civic. Built for all kinds of fun. Contact your Honda dealer today or shop online. Built on a sleek titanium frame, with a light yet strong carbon body, and a precision weighting system, the new TR20 from Hanma. Speed reframed. All right, we're back. Thank you for staying with us. Uh, we're with our guest, Annie Park, and we're going to jump right into... The experience of playing the Solheim Cup, um, that must have been a, a really big, uh, satisfying feeling and, uh, and dream to be fulfilled for you, was it not? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, that was not only like being on the LPGA and like I have other like lifelong dreams I had too, but, you know, Solheim was definitely one of them, right? And, you know, ever since I won ShopRite in 2018 um, and I was in, you know, contention to become one of the members on the team, I, you know, worked really hard and wanted to, you know, play really well in any event that I was, you know, playing in and just wanted to be on the team so badly. And so um, the last tournament that was determining factor of, you know, if, if I were to be on the team or not um, was actually the tournament in Canada in Toronto. Um, and I made the last day again last day on the last putt i made this long putt for birdie and i needed to make that putt to finish at a certain spot and i think i like made it on the team by like i think like point zero like eight points or something it was like really tight i was like oh my goodness thank god i made that birdie <laughs> but um i guess like you know i've i've prepared myself for the solheim you know for solemn moments and always dreamt about it so you know being able to go to scotland and um one of my like you know go-to shots are my punch shots so i love playing in the wind um just because i feel like you know it's kind of one of my own strengths so um yeah i, I just really enjoyed playing in the scottish weather even though it was really cold and i got a it got a minor cold too but uh it was so much fun like you know we had a lot of moments with our team and uh, just a lot of memorable a lot of memorable moments 
prior to that, you had been, I'm sure you had been following some of the uh, Solheim Cups in the past as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was it like? Did you have any sort of feelings? You're playing in uh, Scotland. It's not too far removed from that controversy that happened a couple of years prior, um, where you had the conceded putt or not conceded putt and whatnot. I know it's a few years later, but was there that same sort of rallying around, that feeling of, hey, hey, we got to, you know, stick together as a team. We make this happen. I mean, did you have any thoughts about something like that? Um, No one... No one really talked about it um, just because it was just so far back in the past. Um, but, you know, I was more so worried about the weather. <laughs> like, because, um, like, I think a couple of events before Solheim, we had Scottish Open. And that was the year that, you know, the two waves, the average score was just so so different it was like i think my wave was like the toughest wave and it was like averaging like i think 80 over par like 100 over par but then then the other wave because the weather like cleared up like they were like averaging i think like even par like under par it was like ridiculous amount of like the difference and so i was just like like i just hope the weather's good (laughs) like but the second match that I played in, we played against um, Suzanne and Ann Van Dam, and I was with uh, Brittany Altamare. Um, like, that weather was ridiculous, too. Like, it was so windy, so cold, rainy. Like, we had everything going on. Like, we had the complete Scottish weather that we were playing in. Um, but the match itself was just, it was so intense. It was, I enjoyed it a lot. And um, that's still, like, a great memory for me playing against them and that was um you know from Suzanne coming out of her retirement or that's when she declared that she was going to retire um it was so nice and honored to play with her before she retired now was that in a four ball session or a foursome session foursome oh four ball four ball okay okay uh uh, you know and that's got to be an experience right there now she's coming back as Solheim Cup captain I know yeah She'll be a great captain. Yeah. Any thoughts? Um, is Solheim upcoming in two years? Is that uh, on your radar as a, one of your goals? Yep, for sure. Um, I will, I think my biggest goal is I would love to, you know, play on the Olympics eventually. So that's kind of my biggest goal right now. Um, and yeah, Solheim too. Oh, wonderful. That'd be fantastic. No, I enjoyed watching you, uh, and I'm sure lots of your fans enjoyed watching you play the Solheim as well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and yes, if I remember correctly, most of the American team were wearing what we call in Canada toques, the big heavy woolen beanies. And Yeah. <laughs> Got to keep your head and hands warm in that chilly weather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's golf like that we never see on the LPGA, is it? Right. Yeah. You barely see that. I don't know if I'm talking out of school. So you tell me if we are. Okay. Word is that some of those Solheim cup parties are pretty, uh, pretty, uh, spectacular. Is that a. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, I think it's, you know, at the end of the event, we get to, you know, let loose a little bit and just celebrate, you know, the, the moments of Solheim cup, because I feel like personally, 
you know, Sol and Cove, yeah, it's, you know, the U.S. against Europe, but it's also a time to celebrate, you know, like celebrate great golf, celebrate, you know, women's golf, celebrate, you know, just the unity and community that everyone comes to watch and support, you know, their country. And, you know, I think that's what makes it that much special. Um, yeah, I mean, the competition is intense and it's, you know, fun, but, you know, you don't get that sense of unity and community any other week. Um, and, you know, at the end of the week, yeah, we're, you know, we're competitors, but we're also, you know, down for a great time. And, you know, we want to share that memorable, special event, special moments with each other, whether, you know, you're on the European team or not, you know, we're still friends in the end and, you know, want to, want to have a great time. Any funny stories to share? During Solheim or? Well, let's start with Solheim and then maybe we'll move to the. No, like to be honest, during Solheim week, it was just so busy. Like our schedule was just like, we have this, this and this and this. And like, we barely had time to like, you know, like do anything else. Um, So I don't know. I just like during the. What What about the Sunday night? Uh, Sunday night, I don't really remember. So, <laughs> so it doesn't. So, I'm not very helpful. So I was gonna say that was so good that you don't remember. Yeah, I don't. Re- I don't really remember. <laughs> but I just remember it was just so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, how about another time on tour? What What would you say your funniest moment on tour has been? Yeah, I think so. The funniest moment on the golf course was probably because um like San Francisco it gets cold in the mornings and me I love to play early morning golf um I I don't know why I just love like being the first one out there and just be playing golf anyways we played a practice round it was me Jane Park and Megan King I think we were like playing for something I think we're playing for Boba and out of all the other holes, we chose this hole to play Boba. And um, we had Gabe. He's our LPGA um, photographer. Anyways, I don't even know how he was there early that morning. But anyways, we played this one hole. Like, hey, like, let's play for Boba. And it was a part three at Merced. It was so cold. Um, Jane hit a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal shot. Megan hit a great shot and then I was just me and Gabe was taking pictures and uh, Jane and Megan were right behind me so like Gabe got us three and I was the one that was hitting and I was like I feel so confident over this shot like this is my shot this is my club I'm gonna do well (laughs) and then I shanked it almost hit Gabe on the right and he took the photo and I was just like, we're all laughing hysterically, like in the photo, Megan and Jane are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she just shanked it. <laughs> so I ended up having to buy Boba. But anyways, like Gabe has the photo um, of me shanking it and them being shocked at my shank. <laughs> <laughs> so you're human after all. I am human after all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> competition this was actually 2019 um during lake merced event 
the practice uh, the practice round. Oh, practice round. Okay. I was going to say, I thought maybe the three of you were paired in competition. And... Oh, goodness. That would be so dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you've kind of talked a little bit about what life on tour has been like in terms of, you know, travel everywhere and, you know, you, you're living out of a suitcase for most of the season and just going from one event to another event to another event. Um, you know, I mean, are there any little tips or things like that that you've picked up along the way that helps you adjust with all that travel and and kind of stay on an even keel? Yeah, uh, for me, like, um, I personally like like a, like a skincare routine. It's like just my little decompress, um, and I enjoy doing it. Um, and it's, like, it's part of like self-care as well. Um, so I love to travel with my like skincare set. Um, and it just kind of reminds me of home too, because I do this when I'm home and I have my own products. And then when I'm traveling and when I set up all my like skincare in the bathroom, like it's like a sense of like, oh, you know, I'm kind of home. Like this feels like my new home for the week. So for me, that's like kind of little, my little little thing to do and a little reminder. Um, but other people have probably like different self-care routines that they love to do. Um, and that does help a lot when you're traveling because you're always going to be in a, in a new place week after week. And that little thing that reminds you of, you know, your little home back where you're from, but also just kind of setting up a new home for the week and just adjusting and adapting to it really helps. Yeah, for sure. That little bit of an anchor in your life. Um, Annie, if you have a choice, I don't mean in a practice round, but if you were playing in on competition, who would you like to, you know, who do you enjoy being paired with in competition? Uh, I always love, you know, Megan. <laughs> I mean, we have no chill together, so <laughs> I'm not sure if, um, but, like, we were paired up at Dow, and we actually were a really great team, um, so I love playing with Dow, uh, with Megan, I love playing with Lydia, um, she's just so sweet, um, but also, you know, we're, we just, ha we just have such a great time together, um, Jennifer Song, um, she is very funny, um, very like very different from what she what people think like she's like very composed and everything but when you get to know her she's just so funny um amy yang another like she's just so sweet um she's like an older sis um uh very caring um but also like we have like a lot of things to talk about and love enjoy her company um I mean, there's just, like, a lot of players out there that, like, I can't name, like, 144 players. <laughs> but, you know, those are, like, kind of, I guess, like, players that I could think of on top of my head. So. Who would you say the most intimidating player is to get paired with? And when I say intimidating, I don't mean that they're mean or anything like that. It's just that somebody that, you know, goes out there and you kind of feel in yourself that you kind of want to stack up to them a little bit or... Something yeah. like that. Is there anyone out there like? I would say more like if Annika Sorenstam was still playing and maybe Sari Pack, if I were to be paired up with both of them, 
I would be so intimidated. <laughs> like, I like probably would be like, I do not belong in this group. <laughs> but um, I say, I say this because, I mean, yeah, like one, they're really great competitors, but two, like, you know, both of my like Anika was my idol growing up, and Sari Pack was, you know, another idol that was you know, that I was growing up with. She was always surrounded by, you know, my Korean culture and my Korean community. Um, so she's like a legend. Um, and then my other big, biggest idol is Anthony Kim. Like, love, you know, what he did for the game. Um, love his personality. Um, and just kind of like breaking the mold of a Asian American in general. Um, because typically, like, when we're Asian American, no one really considers considers us Asian or American in either of our like either of our countries or either of our culture. So what he did was, you know, you appreciate him and respect him as a golfer in general, regardless of his skin color or who he is. Like, you know, his personal personality just shined even more. You know, so. If I were to pair it up with those three, I I don't think I would be able to play golf. <laughs> I think I'll just drive the golf cart or something and like let them play. That's cute. Um, we're coming towards the end of our show. Let's say you're out there practicing, whether it be in Dallas or at an event, you know, during the practice rounds or something like that. And some kids or parents come up and, you know, say, Annie, Annie, can we get your autograph or, you know, can you uh, share some words of wisdom? And the kids tell you that they're interested in golf. They want to kind of follow your path and be a professional. What would you, what advice would you give to them or share with them? Hmm. That's a good question. I have like, I have a lot, I guess, <laughs> just because I went through my own personal experience, but maybe just to enjoy what they do. Um, you know, like, just find what you enjoy doing, whether that's, like, a hobby or not a hobby or your career, like, it does go a long way, and I think, I think, I guess the biggest thing is, like, if there's something that you want to do, just do it, um, don't, like, contemplate, like, you know, the consequences or something, because when you're that young, and you have you there's something that you want to do like just do it you know because as you grow older there's going to be more consequences and there's more you're going to have less time to do um things that you want to do because you have like a job or something or but um yeah just do what you want to do because i guess during covid like we weren't able to do that and you know we were quarantined and even if we wanted to go outside and do something we couldn't be able to do that or meet with friends um if you miss someone you know just tell them just message them hey i miss you like let's let's grab food or like eat up like um i think that was kind of like the a lot of things that i learned during covid was you know you miss your friends but you know you're busy doing this and that but like during covid it made it worse because you can't even see them um yeah i think like you know just saying I love you to your parents and to your family um, as much as you can or while you can. 
Um, so appreciating like the little things like in life, I guess, um, because during COVID, there was a lot of things that we weren't able to do and that restricted us. Yeah, very good advice. Very sage, very sage advice. As we head towards 2022 and coming through the holiday season, do you have any goals or have you started thinking about goals for 2022 or? Yeah, there's a couple goals. Um, I definitely want to, you know, have another win in my pocket. Um, I definitely want more top tens next year. Just play consistent good golf. Um, uh, but also managing time for my loved ones um, and having time for more for myself too um, and not getting lost in that mix again because that's very common every year. <laughs> are there certain aspects of your game that uh, you plan on working on or have set for goals as well or are they more results? I think more so I want to work on my short game. Um, a lot of like my my short game putting, um, figuring out which putter I want to use for the rest of the season instead of just changing left and right. Um, just more consistency in my life or more for my golf too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Sounds uh, like it'll be a fantastic year coming up for you. Um, so what's next for you, Annie? The holidays and then... Yeah. Um, so actually tomorrow I'm leaving, I'm going to Arizona, go see my best friend, um, and then fly out Saturday to, uh, Vegas for my friend's wedding on Saturday. And then I think I might just be there for a couple of days because I have a couple of friends that live out there. So just spend some time with them and then head, come back, um, maybe the 15th, 16th. And then I have um, a friend coming to Dallas um, for the weekend to hang out with her. And then it's Christmas. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you started to formulate your schedule for 2022? Uh, only up till January. And then depending on how I play there, maybe I'll have some tournaments in February or not. But most of the time, I think I don't, wouldn't have many events February and March and then starts back at the end of March. Okay. So what, what, what have you set for your first event? Uh, I'm debating if I want to play this, um, this tournament in Orlando. It's not LPGA. Um, but for LPGA, it's going to be two Florida events. I think like end of January and beginning of February. And do you have a first LPGA event uh, in mind? Uh, the first Florida event. Yeah, Gainbridge. 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 Okay, that's right. Yeah. Gainbridge. So Gainbridge is going to be your uh, first LPGA event back. Okay. Yes. Wonderful. Excellent. Annie, an absolute pleasure chatting with oh. you. Well, uh, thank you so much for having me. No, our pleasure. Our pleasure. It's... Um, <laughs> We've been looking forward to this um, session with you for quite a while now, and that's been oh. fantastic. Your stories have been very inspiring as well. I mean, that's just the uh, some of the adversity you've dealt with and the way you've bounced back and, and have um, shown such strength and perseverance is uh, a big testament to who you are as an individual, not let alone just as a player. So that's phenomenal. Um, 
And thank you for taking some time to share some of that story with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, And we're going to wish you all the best for the new year and a very successful 2022. Awesome. Thank you. (laughs) And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes our show for today. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen in with us. Now, we'd like to wish you all the best for the Christmas season to you and your family, or if it's the holidays, such as uh, Hanukkah or something else. Season's greetings, happy holidays, and uh, if you don't tune in again until the new year, then we'd also like to wish you a happy new year. From our family here at We're Talking Golf to yours. You have been listening to our podcast show, We're Talking Golf, produced by The World of Golf. This episode was recorded on Thursday, December 9th, 2021. If you have an idea for a future show, please send us an email to info at worldofgolf.org. Please include podcast show in the subject line. This show is the copyright of the world of golf. Thank you for joining us.